On this week's Patriot Nation podcast, we are continuing with our draft theme. This time we have Mike Renner, the lead draft analyst from Pro Football Focus on. He's going to be talking offensive tackles with us. It's going to be a heck of a lot of fun. And listen, your girlfriends and wives may recognize him as well. He was a contestant on The Bachelorette. So we do a little Bachelor talk as well. So, hey, that's Bachelor Week too. The finale just happened. So it's it's timely, I think. So uh, it's a great conversation with him. We lead off with some Brady talk because, I mean, it's next week, people. March 18th is next week. Next Wednesday. Oh, my God. So, hey, it's a heck of a show. So buckle up and cue the music. All right, so we're not cueing the music just yet. I wanted to just uh, let you guys know that this episode was recorded on Tuesday. We do make some mention of that um, during the show, but it was ep- it was recorded on Tuesday. That was before the coronavirus outbreak with Rudy Gobert. That was before the NBA suspended um, their stuff. It was before the NHL suspended their stuff. It was before in March Madness. So all that stuff hadn't happened yet. We don't really talk about it. We don't really discuss it at all, to be honest with you. Um, you know, and there are scouts coming off the road, and so there's a lot of things that are going to be discussed in the next week or so. We don't touch on any of that. I thought it would be disingenuous of us to go back uh, and re-record a whole thing at the beginning. I thought, you know, the Brady talk was kind of what we were there to talk about. That might be getting delayed for all we know. Who the heck knows what's going to happen out there? So, um, but I just wanted you guys to know that it's not, we're not ignoring it. We had just recorded on Tuesday night before any of it happened. And so, um, you know, we will be back next week and I'm sure we'll be talking about it next week. uh, But but there's no discussion of that uh, in this episode. So just so you know, it is a great conversation with Mike, though, and we do talk a little bit about Brady at the beginning. So uh, it's a good conversation. So buckle up, and now we'll cue the music. Stack receivers, two to the right. Russell Wilson extends the hands. He has it. Wilson, quick throw. And it's less than well we're about a week away we're recording on tuesday night we're about a week away right now um we're gonna find out pretty darn soon what the heck tom brady's gonna do next year and it's terrifying but also gonna be very very relieving for me oh for sure and i know like we've talked about it we mentioned it every single week we don't like talking about this but we felt um with it being under a week of brady watch um you know it's time to comment on it and kind of connect all the dots and i think you'll figure out later when we talk to mike toward the end of the interview not just spilling beans here but he kind of lays it out when we give his opinion on on what he thinks brady would doing and it makes a ton of sense it really does and when you look at it that way and kind of take the whole media away from it and, and what really he's thinking and the patriots are thinking it does make sense which pat you've said similar things along the way and, and as i have too but we've definitely been more scared i think more for the titans and obviously tonight mm-hmm. We're recording on Tuesday, peek behind the curtain. Ian Rappaport came out who, who knows where, like everybody's got mixed feelings on him. He's good at his job. I mean, this guy's right more than he's wrong. And uh, came out and said, 
you know, obviously everyone's waiting on Brady and the Patriots and the CBA and what's going to happen. But, um, you know, they had said that their, their goal in mind is to extend Ryan Tannehill long-term. So if that happens yep. today, this, or sorry, this weekend, this upcoming weekend before the tag ends, the, the, the deadline, you're at slim pickings for where Brady could end up. I mean, maybe LA with the whole 99, 199 productions that he just launched. Maybe you can make yep. a case for Las Vegas and the Raiders and maybe throw Mr. Throw Tampa Bay in there. Good luck telling me, convincing me that like you're out of your mind. They're in Indy. You're out of your mind. Like don't even try. He's got some weapons. You can throw them in there too, but it's slim pickings right now. I think it's kind of coming to terms now that it all makes sense for him to come home. There's my take. Yeah. No, I agree with you 100%. And I've been saying from the beginning, I think that the, the biggest challenge was going to be Nashville. And, you know, if Tennessee does sign Tannehill, as you said, you know, the the um, the window ends on Monday for um, for the franchise tag. So if you, you either got to sign him before Monday or you got to throw the franchise tag on him. And so, um, you know, I think if they're able to get a deal done with Tannehill and the, the Tennessee job disappears, to me – what that means to me is that Tom Brady isn't deciding to play anywhere else other than New England this year. Now, mind you, I didn't say Tom Brady's playing in New England this year. I said Tom Brady's not deciding to play anywhere else than New England. Because as I wrote a few weeks ago, I still think this is Belichick's decision to make. Right? I think that Tennessee has the opportunity, has a chance to match or do better than the Patriots offer and have Brady say, you know what? I think I'd rather play in Tennessee. I think anywhere else is going to be because the Patriots either aren't willing to give him an offer at all or aren't willing to go multi-year. And I think that that's the biggest issue. That's the right now is the biggest stumbling block for me. Belichick might not want to go two to three years. Whereas Vegas might say, you know what? You want three years, 90 million. Let's do it. And I think that Brady doesn't want to do that. I think it makes sense for him to stay in New England. But if if Bill's offering one year at thirty million, and Oakland's uh, Vegas is offering three years at thirty million, right? So ninety million total, thirty million dollars a year. I mean, what do you want him to do? You know, at a certain point, he kind of has to take that. And so, you know, that's I think that that's the concern right right now. But if Tannehill goes away, man, or if Tannehill, you know, signs with Tennessee, that's going to be a huge relief for me because then it's all in the Patriots' corner. And then at least Belichick gets to make the decision. Now, I don't, I wouldn't, obviously, I want them to stay with Brady. But if, if he isn't going to stay, then at least I can look at it and say, okay, we can spin zone it a little bit and say, well, Belichick didn't really want him. And that's why he's gone. As opposed to Patriots had a shot, but he wanted to play in Tennessee more. And I think that that's, that would be a big difference for me. And at least you could then spin zone it to say, oh, this is what Belichick wants. And although I would hate it, and I'm not prepared for a world in which Tom Brady isn't the starting quarterback for the Patriots before the season starts, because once the season starts, oh my God, it's going to be miserable. But, you know, at least you can kind of talk yourself into it as, as we approach the season. Yeah, I mean, th- that you pretty much summed it up, right? I mean, I think... Uh... Yeah. When it all comes down to it and when it's all over with, whether he stays or goes, we're going to look back and go, we were so dumb for believing that, the, either side. It's like, oh, all signs right. pointed towards him leaving. And then it's like, well, yeah. all signs pointed towards him staying. It's, it's, it's very fascinating, honestly. Like, when you think about it and sit down, it's yeah. like, how do we have no idea? We, we I'm, I literally change with, like, like, the seasons, like the weather. Like, it, I don't – it changes every day. It's pretty crazy. Well, that's- yeah, and that's the thing. I mean, Christian Fourier went off about it last week because he was like, you know, it's free agency. 
everyone's saying everything. Of course, the 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 player is posturing, saying he's not going to come back. And of course, the team is saying, hey, we're going to offer him whatever we want because, you know, we want to keep – because everyone's saying those right things. Everyone's trying to gain leverage here. And so, yes, they're leaking reports. Of course, they're leaking stuff because they want stuff out in the media. They're trying to win the war in the media because that's what they're trying to do. And then, you you know, you're trying to show – no one's going to show their hand and everything else. So it's like he got upset and frustrated, and I don't blame him. Because every, all those takes are coming out, you know, about here's what, Brady, here's what happened to Brady and here's, you know, this and this and that and so on. But we'll see. And look, like I said, it's now you're listening to this and it's either Friday or Saturday. And next Wednesday is, is decision day. And so, yeah. yeah, we might we might have to re-record this before, before Friday if, <laughs> if he makes a decision. But if he doesn't, you're going to know within a week or so. And so, you know, it'll almost, it'll almost all be over and then we'll see what happens. So, all right. So we are going to get into, uh, offensive tackles. We're going to continue our draft, uh, profile. We're looking at offensive tackles and we have Mike Renner from pro Pro football focus on the show. Again, lead draft analyst. He is legit, uh, legit, great conversation. So you definitely don't want to miss it. So stick around and we'll talk to you guys next week. All right, we are very happy to uh, to have Mike Renner joining the show with us. He is a lead draft analyst from Pro Football Focus, uh, clearly knows a hell of a lot about the draft, so we're super excited to have him on. We're going to be talking offensive tackles with him tonight. Uh, Mike, welcome to the show. What's up, Bill? Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Absolutely. One of the, uh, you know, look, Pro Football Focus, as as you know, anyone listening there knows, Pro Football Focus is one of the, you know, elite, elite websites on, you know, as far as football is concerned, at least on the internet. And you're, you know, one of the lead draft analyst guys on there. And so, you know, we're we're just excited to have you on. So we appreciate you, uh, appreciate you stopping by. Thank you for those kind words. Yeah, with it's, it's crazy how far it's come. When I first, like, our website sucked ass when I first started. And now it's actually pretty cool. So it's actually useful. Well, that's good. That's a, that's a. You know, they should be, you should be their spokesperson or something like that. That was great. <laughs> used to suck, used to suck they, ass. They might not be great. happy. They might not be happy about that <laughs> characterization of the ass sucking, but uh, I mean, it did. Like, it's real talk was pretty rough. Yeah. Well, hey, I mean, listen, it, they've turned it around now, and, and it's just, just, I'll tell you what, man, it's it sounded like John Gruden there. Jeez. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's one of those, um, it's one of those sites that like everyone goes to everyone references it. Everyone talks about it. If you don't have a subscription there, if you're not looking at profootballfocus.com for your information, people just don't, don't take it seriously. So it's yeah. uh it's legit. So, but, uh, but before we get into the tackles and we'll get after pro football focus a little bit, you, you know, it is bachelor. It is, you know, hashtag bachelor season and you were a contestant <laughs> on the bachelorette, uh, a, a short lived contestant on the bachelorette, but I'll tell you what, man, that entrance this is pretty legendary, dude. Where, where did that come from? What were you thinking in that moment? Like, what the heck oh, was that all about? That moment was so wild. So I, I didn't actually come up with that idea what it all, at all. They, like, came up to me, the producers, and they're like, we think you should do this. Like, you'll get good camera time. It'll be good for you, whatever. And then, um, so they gave me to, to, like, the people at home who obviously, I, uh, the people who haven't turned off already and, and don't, because uh, not a lot of people care about the bachelor, but the people that didn't see it, it was I brought out a cutout of the chick's ex-boyfriend on it, the one who dumped her right before, so that she was the bachelorette for the next one. Uh, I brought a cutout of her of him out of the limo, and they like asked me to do it, and I knew I kind of fucked up when um, they 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 give it to me in the limo, 
and the thing is like life size. And this dude's six four or whatever, so it's this huge <laughs> cutout. And it's barely like fitting in the limo with me. And I could not for the life of me get it out of the limo. It took over a minute. Oh and so God. I'm like getting that like panic sweat going where you're just like, Oh my God, what's going on? Uh, why is this coming out? And she's just sitting there like waiting for me, looking at it. And so they didn't show any of that on TV, but I finally get it of out course, and set yeah. it down. And I'm just like, this sucks. <laughs> like already <laughs> off to the worst start. And then that pretty much summarized my whole uh, appearance there. That was, that was that. Man, it, it was honestly, like, I've rough. never been more nervous in my entire life than that. That was, that was nothing like going on TV, doing anything after that. Uh, is a cakewalk right. from that. Yeah. Well, that, and that's the hard part is you're trying to, you know, you're trying to make this great first impression. Then the producers throw something on top of you that you weren't ready for. And then you're yeah. like struggling with this new thing that you didn't even want to do in the first place. And you're like, uh, oh no, now what? And you just stand next to this guy. Listen, for those of you people that don't understand, okay, the story behind, behind the story here. Okay. The the Bachelorette, she wasn't just this wasn't just her ex boyfriend. Like this dude shows her at the end of his season, and then like proposed to her right at the end of the season, and then was like, mm, actually, no, nah, I don't want you. I want the girl that I didn't propose to. Like yeah. at the finale, it was like the most legendary, like the most talked about ending of any Bachelor show ever. And this this guy comes out with a cardboard cutout of the guy from the last season, <laughs> and just it was. I mean, people were like, was "That not. was that was amazing." But that you know, should not, it should, but not a, me. should have been someone else. I did not pull it off. <laughs> no, well, that's the thing. it's hard because especially where if it had been your idea, I think it would have been cool because you would have had an idea of something to do of with it. But with the producer, that's yeah. the thing, man. You know, with the producers like just throwing it at you last minute. It's like, what the hell are you going to do? You know, I strolled so. in the house with that thing. And all the guys were just like, what the, he- what are you doing? What was your thought process here? And I'm like, you know what? There really was a thought process. I didn't, I didn't think this was oh, yeah, man. Right. How much FaceTime did you go with that girl? You weren't even on the show. Were you on the show oh, for uh, like, you were, you I made four, you were there four weeks though, right? Yeah. I mean, I got two roses and then I got sent home. I was there this exact same amount of time that actually uh, Clay Harper was. He got a lot more camera time than me, though, fortunately. Yeah. That helps to be a former NFL player. I mean, that's very true. That is true. Although, you do talk about NFL players. So, like, I mean, it's kind of the same thing. Like, what the heck? Yeah. yeah. It's like, I gave so. Clay some, some shitty grades back in the day, so. <laughs> <laughs> that must have caused the rockets in the house. <laughs> Although he kicked my ass. He's a big ass dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so I have a, I have a Chris Harrison question. Is he, he yeah. seem now the thing about Harrison, right? He seems like he could be the coolest guy ever or like the biggest nerd of all time. So like, is he like a cool dude or is he like, is he like a total? He's weird? super cool. Yeah. He's super smooth. Chris Harrison. Yeah. Okay. He's very That's what I kind of figured. Lives up to the but then it's yeah. like, you know, then it's like, okay, like he seems so cool that like maybe he's in real life just like a dweeb and like looks cool on camera. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know what so, you mean. No, but, but he, he was, he was no, pretty cool, cool, dude. All right. Listen, you got to try to parlay. You got to try to get to Bachelor in Paradise, man. That would be dope. You know, or, or one of the Bachelor. I mean, they. I feel like they have a million options for the Bachelor. You got to try to get, I mean, right? That'd be pretty sweet. And then, and then that's when you really get in the drama and, you know, you get the FaceTime on TV and that's when those people become like, you know, quote unquote celebrities. That's what you gotta, that's what you gotta try to pull off somehow. 
So, but yeah, it was, yeah, just being able to talk to the chicks would be nice. Cause you don't really get that much on the, on the show. Right. Right. So, all right. That's, that's enough bachelor talk. That's, that's your bachelor talk for the, uh, you know, for the, for the women out there, for there any women listening to the podcast or, or perhaps even men, there are men that watch the show. So, um, you know, bachelor slash bachelorette. So, but, uh, anyways, we're here to talk football. That's what we're going to do. Uh, we're going to do what we always do, which is Spag is going to give three guys. I'm going to give three guys. Mike is going to give his input on all six of those guys because he's way more knowledgeable than we are. And so uh, and so, we're going to talk about those guys. So, Spags, I'm going to let you start with your first guy. Awesome, Mike. So, I'm curious to hear what your thoughts are on this guy. Josh Jones out of Houston, um, pretty raw. Uh, you know, I think he's got a long frame, definitely has some room for some mass. Um, you know, I think he's a good athlete, you know, good bend. Um, he's able to get through difficult reach blocks. He can play either side, uh, play each side. Um, you know, obviously a red shirt tackle. I think there's some concerns regarding his, his, is he coachable enough? Uh, his footwork is okay. Definitely raw. Um, and like I said, his, his feet are fluid and light. I, I'm interested to hear what you have on, to say about this guy, just because I've seen so many mock drafts and really anywhere between the mid to late first round and sometimes even fall into the, to the third. Um, I, I think he's an interesting pros- prospect. I love Jones. Um, yeah, I love. He was 14th on the DFS draft board right now. Wow. Uh, I, I think, I think of all the tackles in terms of who, like, who would be the best year one. I, I think it very well could be Josh Jones in terms of what he brings to table in pass protection because he's just so, he's so good with his hands already in pass. Yeah. Like his punch, he uses his hands independently. Like he's not, he's not. He's not punching. He's, he's snatching guys. Like he, he is going, grabbing you, and then not letting go, and not, uh, you know, letting you pass him. He's not. He's not near the athlete that you know Tristan Wirfs is, Jedrick Wills is, even Kai Becton. Like he's not that, but he's still a good athlete for the position. Like he's still definitely a plus athlete. Has the movement skills and the length and whatnot, all that sort of stuff. And, and you mentioned kind of the coachability. Like he's had four different offensive line coaches in his time at Houston. Like they're they, they've not been. He's not had the best sort of situation there for development, and we've seen him actually still even get a lot better over the course of his career there. So uh, his feet do need to be like completely reworked and pass pro. He's basically just like walking out of a stance, just back pedaling out of a stance, which I don't tend to fly in the NFL, but that's not too big of a fix. I, I do think he is very, he's just a very talented offensive tackle and, uh, and very NFL ready in a number of regards and, and has been exceptional. Like in Houston, past, like he just didn't lose really this last season. I like the kid. I mean, we'll see what happens, but I don't yeah, know if he's going to be even be there when the Patriots draft, but you know, or I mean, if the Patriots want him at 23, maybe, but yeah, obviously being a, you know, being a Patriots oriented podcast, I'm interested just, just to hear what your, I guess it's a little off. To, we'll save it for the end. We'll save it for the end. I, I want to get your take on uh, Isaiah Wynn and, and what the tackle situation will look like uh, if they actually move him over to guard, say when he goes. But we'll we'll get into it, Pat. I'll let you take your first guy now. Okay. All right. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. Uh, Prince Tega Wanogo. I'm probably butchering that name. What a name. He's uh, from from Auburn, six five three zero seven. Came to the U.S. five years ago uh, to play basketball from Nigeria. Ends up playing football. Obviously, he's new to football, um, but he also obviously has great athleticism and strength. 81-inch um, wingspan, which is ridiculous. Uh, I think in was in high school, he ran a 4-6-40. I mean, the kid is a, is a great athlete. Didn't run at the combine. Didn't work out at the combine because he got his knee scope, but he's hoping to have a private workout in mid-April. I think that, for you know, from what I've seen, 
the technique and the footwork is still a little bit of a work in progress, which makes sense. He's only been playing football for, you know, for five years or so. Um, but, you know, clearly the athleticism is there. Um, some of the playing strength, I think, is there. You know, he's an interesting guy. I don't know if I'd reach for him. I think 23 would be a reach, but I think, you know, second, third, second, third round, if he can fall that far, I think would be an interesting spot to see a guy like that get taken. Yeah, I'm not a huge fan of Tega Winoho, and I think the biggest thing is you want to see continued development over the course of a guy's career. Like, you want to see kind of like we saw from, you know, Tristan Wirth, Jedrick Wills. You want to see the guy go from from average to good to great, or, or, you know, that natural progression because you want to see the technique get better every single year because so that's what has to happen at the NFL level. And I think from 2018 and 2019, I, I didn't really see Tego Winoho improve in a lot of areas that we needed to see him improve. One was pretty much his feet. His feet were pretty rough in pass protection in terms of uh, just stopping his feet to throw his punch and really, you know, sacrificing his lateral agility. I'm not sure he's super agile in his own right now. He's an explosive guy, but I don't think he's terribly agile and he does himself no favors by getting his feet in bad positions in his pass set. So he got exposed by a ton of inside moves this past year. Uh, yes, he is, um, again, like you said, new to the game, didn't play off a single down of offensive line until he got to Auburn. But, but the fact that like, you didn't see that improvement from 18 to 19 is worrisome for me. And it wasn't, you know, super exceptional this past year in terms of how he graded for us here at PFF. So just going to be lower on a guy like that. Uh, and, and like I said, or like I said before, I'm not sure he'd necessarily, well, he has like the raw explosiveness that that's, you know, athletic for a tackle. More important is agility. Like more important is the movement skills. I'm not sure he has that, uh, you know, for that's key right. in terms of pass protection. No, it's interesting. I mean, I, I'm just curious, like, where do you think, where do you think other teams view him? You obviously sounds like you're pretty low on him, but do you think, uh, not, I think he's probably like, he's a, like third. a later round guy? I think he's probably going yeah. like the third if I had a bet right now. Right. Yeah. See, like a guy with, with, with the athleticism like that. Now, I don't know if he, like you said, lateral agility, I'm not sure what's there. You know, if he has a workout in April and it looks good, like who knows? But like, yeah, in the fourth, fifth round, I'd take a shot on someone like that. But I'm not going any higher than that, you know, exactly. on yeah, a guy no, like that. that first round, second round, too many question marks. For that'd be a little crazy for me. Yeah. Yeah. So for ne- my next guy, you, you already mentioned him, Tristan Wirfs out of Iowa. I, I absolutely love this kid. I mean, this kid put on an absolute show at the Combine. Um, and, and obviously that, that video of him it was like squatting, like looked like a, like a legit house, like three, two years ago. And it just got bumped up after the, after his freak show combine. I mean, this guy was a state champ as a high school wrestler, like a weight room monster, um, you know, super athletic for a bigger guy played both right and left tackle at Iowa. Uh, this is a guy that I would absolutely love uh, for the Patriots to take at 23. I don't think he gets there, um, but a special, special talent coming out of Iowa and uh, interested to hear what you have to say about him. Yeah, there are three tackles in this class that are truly right up there with some of the best tackles yeah. we've ever. You know, the tackle prospects we've graded in our you know, six years doing this. The fact that I think what's really so special about this class is that you don't see a lot of true juniors, you know, on the offensive line come out and, and be uh, like, it's just rare to see guys declare early at offensive tackle. Like you get, uh, you know, Quentin Nelson was a senior coming out and it's viewed as generational guy. Ronnie Stanley was also a senior coming out. Uh, I know Jonah Williams is junior last year, but it's oftentimes top tackle prospects take four years because it's a highly, you know, takes a lot of development. And to see Tristan Wirfs play yeah. as well as he did this past year as a true junior at Iowa, 
uh, was pretty special. Like, like I said, there's three guys who just like, they are studs at offensive tackle. There's not a lot of holes in worst game already. Uh, great fit for his zone scheme. I mean, he didn't do a lot of gap blocking at Iowa. It's pretty much zone heavy scheme, but I think he could do that too. I don't think he's scheme limited by any means. Um, pretty versatile in that regard. People talking about playing him at guard. That's just stupid to me. Like he, he has the length, has the athleticism to play tackle. He's a little odd build for the position. Like he's all ass and thighs to get the dude's upper body. Looks like he could play, uh, you know, tight end, but his legs are just enormous. Um, and I think yeah. that's why people want to call him a guard, but like he moves really well for a tackle. I, I wouldn't take him in a guard. His only issues that he kind of had on tape were inside moves, sometimes allowing guys to get into his chest, but I, I think he allows guys to get in his chest because he, he doesn't worry about getting bull rushed. He's so damn strong. So yeah, there's a lot to like him worse. Another guy who, like I said, that upward progression, he was starter as true freshman for Kirk Ferentz, the only, you know, first guy ever in Iowa and Kirk Ferentz era to start off as tackle as true freshman was not good. And then sophomore year got a lot better. And then this past year got a lot, lot better. And so I think that's what you want to see from a guy. Yeah. Uh, and with the athleticism he has, like he's a pretty safe prospect at that point. And, you know, he obviously played eight out of his 10 games, I believe at right tackle and played the bowl game at left. Um, where do you see him? Cause I mean, he could obviously come in and be a day one starter, right? I mean, somebody's taking him that high. Do you see him primarily playing the right tackle? Can he mold into a left tackle sometime along the lines or can he be a swing? Yeah, I think he played left tackle. Like the fact yeah. that he swapped over and didn't really have issues is pretty encouraging. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, I, I think he could do either. Uh, I'm not really too worried about that. All right, all right. I mean, he'd be. There's some guys at, at 23 that I'm like, you know, it's becoming a legitimate position of need. And and Spags alluded to it earlier, and we, we do want to talk to you about, you know, about Isaiah Wynn and and, and his prospects. But I think. Um, you know, Marcus Cannon is going to be an issue. Uh, you know, I don't know if Cannon's going to retire or or what's going to happen, but he certainly took a huge step back last year. And now without Scar in there, uh, you know, when Scar hasn't been around, he's been terrible. And so I think that's a concern. And if you have an elite prospect like Werfs there, it might might make sense to, to make him over 23. So you won't have um, All right, let's get Worf into my second guy. <laughs> yeah, I know, you're right. You're right. But you, I'm just, you never know. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's, it's Paul. Um, but, uh, but all right, I, I'm going to go to another guy who, uh, who did really impress at the combine, uh, might be a little bit of a, of a combine warrior, maybe than, than a great player, but it's Ezra Cleveland from Boise state, six, six, three, ten. Um, the kid, you know, ran a four, nine, three, 40, 30 reps on the bench, you know, 30 fast three cone drill, fast for 20 yards. So I thought, um, Athleticism, though, he doesn't really play with an edge. He doesn't have great functional play strength. Like the athleticism and the frame is enticing for me, but to me, he's more of a project than he is a guy that's going to come in and play anytime soon. Um, and that's my concern with him. You know, he puts on a show at, at the combine, and I think he opens some people's eyes. But that sometimes could be a bad thing when you're talking about value because, you know, someone might reach to take a guy like that because they see the athleticism and the and the, the possibility of him being good in the future. Although we haven't really seen that on film. And so to me, he's more of a project guy, but an interesting guy, I think, nonetheless, if you can get him, you know, sometime in that day three window. Um, but like I said, I don't know if the combine workout pushes him, you know, into day two. Um, and w- which is a place that frankly, I'm not comfortable taking. 
Yeah, he, he ain't last until day three. Uh, he might not last till the second round, to be honest. This guy could sneak in the back end of the first round with it, just the track record of guys who are that athletic at tackle is very good. Like half of yeah. being good in pass protection is simply being able to stay in front of athletic edge rushers, like simply being able to get yourself in good position. He has all of that. He has the movement skills, the functional, you know, and you see it on tape at Boise State. Now his hands aren't great, and he doesn't do himself a lot of favors with his punch, and he gets them swatted away a ton. And he's not facing great competition when he gets them swatted away, but I think he's fairly, like, he he is in good positions with his feet. Like, he has nice pass sets already at this point. But like you said, the functional strength isn't quite there, but he, like, he still has it. He did, like, 30 reps on the bench with over 33-inch arms. Yeah. Like, he ticks those boxes as well. So, uh, I think someone's going to say, hey, he was at Boise State. You know, not the best not the best competition, but also probably not the best coaching in the world. He's going to come into an NFL yeah. weight room, NFL coaching staff, and this is a guy that has movement skills that you're not going to teach, uh, you know, some some Power Five guy in, on day three. You're not going to teach Isaiah Wilson how to do that. So I, I think that uh, Ezra Cleveland may sneak into the back end of the first round. It may even make sense for the Patriots in terms of, I guess, not, not with Dante Skarniecki anymore, but like their track record of developing good good athletes. Joe Tooney was a good athlete coming out. Shaq Mason was a good athlete coming out. Uh, developing guys like that is pretty uh, strong. Right. Wow. So you'd endorse that pick? At, like if if Patriots took him at twenty three, you think that'd be a good a good a good pick? I, I think he would end up being a good player. I'm not sure right out the gate it'd be good, and it obviously depends on who yeah. else is there. But I, I wouldn't be terribly surprised. I, w- I wouldn't like hate the hate the play just because, like I said, he's on a different level in terms of what he can do. Uh, athletically than other tackles in this class. Interesting. Okay. Interesting. So Mike, for my final guy here, I want to talk about Ben Barch. Um, obviously he was kind of did, did like a smoothie challenge or something at the combine, kind of just a big, you know, huge guy, six, six, three, ten, long, luscious red hair. He's, he's, he's has a knack for the camera. Um, and, and I really like him just because of his, uh, you know, a division three type of guy came, came coming from a D three school at St. John's um, converted tight end added 75 pounds of, you know, good weight, good muscle. Um, I, you know, obviously I don't know what his ceiling is as a player, probably, you know, maybe, maybe a, you know, spot starter here, a good backup type of type of tackle. But um, I think he did pretty well. He had a strong senior bowl, um, you know, good burst out of his stance. Definitely has a lot of athleticism at the position coming from that tight end background. Uh, interested to see what you have to say about him and kind of wh- where he would fall. I, I, you know, coming from like a Kyle Duger, who you know the the D two safety out of Lenore Ryan. I love these type of stories. Obviously, a Division three kid who goes to the Senior Bowl has a strong showing, shows up at the combine. Um, I, I'm interested. I, I always root for type of guys like that, right? I, I'm a big fan of Barch. I, I think he ends yeah. up going in the second round. And to me, you know, after that first wave of probably like seven or so tackles uh, off the board. He's probably my favorite of that second wave of tackles really? just because uh, it's, it's because of the senior ball. I mean, like, you go watch the yeah. tape at St. John's, and you're not going to, like, glean much. Like, blocking 230-pound yeah. edge rushers, it's, like, almost worse than Not the great camera tape. either. Not a great yeah. camera either. <laughs> and, like, and he's and he's dominating. Like, you, you, yeah. you see him dominating, that's good. Like, that's what you want to see. Like, he ticks that box, but then you're not going to learn too much more. But I think the senior ball is very uh, indicative to me, or very, you know, uh, very much – a big positive for him in terms of he'd never faced a guy probably in his life that had 
you know, that was 265 that's going to run like a 4-6 and, and going to try to bull rush him like J- Jabari Zuniga did. And he just dropped anchor and stopped Jabari Zuniga in his tracks. Probably the first time he's ever seen anyone athletically close to that. And the very first rep, he just stonewalls him. Like, that's that to me is rare, the fact that he just looked – not only didn't look out of place, that he looked like one of the best offensive linemen there. Uh, now, it wasn't a great offensive line group. Besides Josh Jones, there's probably not a lot of talent there. You know, all the top guys were not there for the most part. So uh, it's not directly comparable, but like the fact that he looked good against that competition when every sign should point to you not looking good. Like, even if you are a good player in your own right, like you should not look good in that situation because you've never seen, you know, that sort of level of competition. The fact they did is really encouraging. So I think that there's a lot to work with. He's got great play strength, real strong hands. Uh, now he's obviously raw. I mean, like, he didn't get. The elite coaching at St. John's, and it's still going to be another massive step up going from even senior bowl competition to the NFL. But there's a lot to work with for sure. Yeah, like I said, I, you, you always got to root for guys like that, and that's great to hear. Um, I like you said, deep, deep tackle class for him to even be, you know, rated in the top ten, go in the second yeah. round. That's an extremely, you know, great accomplishment for D3 football, right? Yeah, I mean, I think this guy, I think he's going to be a player. And, and, like, even if he yeah. doesn't end up a tackle, I think he could be a guard in the league, too. So, I'm a fan. Patriots need a guard. So, you know. <laughs> Just saying. Just saying. They so, always want uh, to make right, la- Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, all right, last guy for me is uh, Lucas Niang. Um, I think that's how I pronounce it. Uh, TCU 6'6", 315. This kid is a beast. Super strong. Uh ton of power and I think moves pretty well for, you know, for his size, you know, his footwork at times isn't great, but I think, I feel like you say that, you know, we can say that about pretty much, you know, any, any college tackle. Um, and so, you know, he did suffer a hip injury last year, prevented him from working out at the combine. I'm not sure if he's, I, I don't think he's going to be able to even work out at all before the draft. And so, uh, can be a concern, but you know, if you're comfortable with the medicals there and you feel like, you know, he has enough of an upside, which I think he might, uh, you know, he could be a guy that, you know, the Patriots look at at 23, um, you know, to slide into that, that possible right tackle vacancy next year. Yeah. So there's kind of, there's a difference between guys like Josh. So you just mentioned like off the tackles of college needs, you can say about a lot of guys the need to be, you know, technique needs to be cleaned up. And there's kind of a difference between Josh Jones who needs his technique to be cleaned up a little bit in his past sets, and then a guy like Lucas Niang who just like everything needs to be changed. Like everything, yeah. everything's just wrong yeah. right now. Like his feet are uh, awful. He's holding his hands, you know, down by his side and just like throwing them while like he is just raw as can be. But you love the fact that he's raw as can be, but like he's still good. Like he's still like he's not getting completely torched being raw as can be. There's something to work with there, but just play a little high. Uh, but again, you said he's, Play strength and the length is pretty superb for college offensive tackle prospect. There is a lot to work with, but he is very much kind of a guy who uh, year one, if you're throwing him to the wolves, it could get ugly. Year two, yeah. maybe even the same, but like year three is when you're probably at at best hoping he, you know, the light switch flips on and you get even a average starter at tackle. So that's that's kind of the upshot for Niang. So just something to kind of go into it. Uh, knowing and so he's probably like a third rounder than at that point or or later okay all right well look at that so you you flip me on uh see this is how how little i know i had ezra cleveland in the third fourth round and lucas niang maybe in the first round and you're like no 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 no. flip those two 
you idiot, yeah. because you don't know what the hell you're talking about. And uh, <laughs> hey, look, I mean, you know, I'm just saying that, this is why you're them. here, and not, I'm not the one talking about it. <laughs> uh, Mike, so I, I kind of alluded to it a little bit earlier, and then you know, kind of wanted to get into some of the prospects. I'm interested to hear, you know, as far as the New England Patriots line goes, obviously the, the big question is what's number 12 doing, right? I mean, everybody's wondering that, but you still need an offensive line no matter who's playing quarterback, right? And uh, Isaiah Wynn, obviously very promising when he's been healthy. He, I think he's done fine. You'll, you'll find haters out there. You'll find a ton of fans of him. Um, and then obviously it looks like Joe Thune going to walk just because of the money. He's going he's gonna to change the, uh, the guard market. Uh, phenomenal, phenomenal, more, most consistent offensive lineman I think in the league um, and then you had Shaq Mason coming off a little bit of a down year hopefully you get David Andrews back uh, I'm kind of curious as to what the Patriots will do in this draft as far as guard or tackle goes because I think if you look at that offensive line collectively there's a lot there's a lot of potential there but there's a lot of question marks at the same time you don't know what you're going to get out of certain guys yeah, so they got they got a few needs now. You, you know, it's not just offensive line. I Absolutely, yeah. With the big the big wild card here is that I think left side you you keep you know keep win and then just plug in Yeldy for a hold from last year. You know, the guy you drafted was a third or fourth round. Yeah, yeah. Yeldy, yeah. like yeah. just plug that in. Like don't don't mess with win. Like he was good enough at left tackle that you're not going to you know just coming off an injury. You're not you're not you don't want to mess that up right off the gate. So don't mess with that. The right side is a big question. What do you do with Marcus Cannon? Do you cut him with that big half hit? He was not good. Has been all over the place over the course of his career, fluctuating, you know, the weight and whatnot. Uh, so I, I think that's the bigger issue to me. And I think if one of those kind of top tackle slips, if a Josh Jones slips there at 23, or maybe even, like I said, an Ezra Cleveland could be the fit there at 23. I think you pull the trigger at tackle there. But if not, I think wide receiver early in the draft, and then obviously you got to – Obviously, got to wait till round three. I don't really love the tight ends in round one. But obviously, got to wait yeah. till round three to get back into the mix. But then, but then that's where like a guard would make sense if you are going to address guard. But tackle round one would make the most sense because tackles go quick. The good ones are pretty easy to identify. There's not a lot of guys six five that can move. Uh, you know, six five with thirty four inch arms that can move. Like, they go and they they get identified by the NFL and they go quickly. And that doesn't mean they're all going to be hits, but there's just not a lot of guys in the third, fourth round at the tackle position that turn out to be quality starters. It's just rare. So I do think that that's if you're going to address it, go round one. If not, uh, go wide receiver, uh, and then just maybe go interior uh, later in the draft. Yeah. Well, like you said, I mean, I think too. You look at this draft in particular, you know, and you see the top guys. You know, the top tier offensive tackles are as good as any offensive tackles that have come out really in the past, you know, five years, uh, you know, I think, yeah. you know, people are saying that, you know, these guys rank up there with, you know, with all these other guys. And so, you know, will, will a guy like Werfs drop down? Probably not. You're not going to get him at 23, but like, you know, could a guy out of the, out of those top five that, you know, people are very high on drop down to 23 and, and let you get, take a shot at him. I think so. And so yeah, I, like maybe Andrew Thomas at least, it's possible. At least possible. Yeah. yeah. And so that's, so that's, I think, I think might be, you know, where, where they look, because I think that makes the most sense. You know, I just think for them, when you start looking around at what's their, you know, what's their biggest need, I think their biggest need is, is offensive line, you know, especially if Brady's coming back. Yes. We all want, you know, hashtag weapons around them, but like, you got to keep the guy upright too. So, you know, if you don't have a right tackle, you're going to be in trouble. Mm -hmm. 
hundred percent agree. Yeah. So I agree with you. So anyways, but that's what we got. So you think, you think, uh, the wins look good at, at, at left tackle. Um, yeah. You know, as far, I mean, as, good as, far enough, as what you've like, seen. The, the thing is you just don't want to be awful at left tackle. Like yeah. it's so yeah. difficult to find. There's so few guys that can even play competently. If you just get competent, like you hold on to that for dear life. And I think from what we saw from when, like I said, it was one year removed from an injury. He's only in year two. It was at least competent level play. And at that point, like your beggars can't be choosers. Like the, the odds of you finding another left tackle that's competent uh, versus a guard that's competent, you're so much more likely at guard at that point. So I, I, I do think keeping that left tackle. Okay. Yeah, I, think, sure. I think it makes I a lot of sense. Yep. Yeah. That's kind of what we've been saying all off seasons. Just like, what are we doing here? So, <laughs> all right, Mike, we don't, we don't usually do this. I'm going to ask you the question though. What do you think? What do you think about, about Brady? Do you think he'll be back with the Patriots? Do you think he's going somewhere else? Do you see somewhere that'll be a better fit or a good fit for him where, where you think he might land? Uh, you know, what do you think? It's going to, it's going to happen next week. Well, you are the only guy theoretically might happen next week. I, I think it, I think it happens. I think he comes back to the Patriots and I think it does happen next week. Uh, I just think it would be there's no like if he goes somewhere and crashes and burns like the potential of that seems a little too high you know for me if I'm Tom Brady to like risk my legacy and risk all that sort of stuff he comes back to Patriots to crash and burn whatever like that he was ride or died with New England and then he retires but just going somewhere for one year just to try to you know stick it to Belichick or whatever the reasoning would be just try to chase one more chip like I don't see that being the case. I don't think that's necessarily who he is. So uh, I just think so much, so it makes too much sense to come back to new England. Anything else would just be such a crapshoot and such like a, a, it wouldn't do much for, I don't, I don't know what it would do for him, you know, legacy wise, or even like in terms of winning a championship next year, if that would even help him, like the possible destinations he could go to. So, yeah, I'm not sure. Uh, I think it might be just more to get his, you know, name out there at this point and then he's coming back next week i gotta tell yeah, you i, I, I love... think that's a, oh, go ahead that's a great way to look at it no that's that's the right way to look at it i think when you when you put all the pieces together and kind of try to connect the dots it makes so much sense for him to come home it really does like what especially with the titans coming out today and saying you know reportedly that they want to we talked about a little bit before early in the show about you know wanting to extend Tannehill long term like that was the only real threat for me that I was a little bit worried about because they have the pieces in place the variable connection that was a little bit scary to me um so I think if Tannehill gets locked up this weekend like we said I think we can kind of calm down a little bit here in New England (laughs) yeah yeah I just like I you know Tom Tom Brady finishing his career in Nashville I don't know it's just like yeah that just doesn't seem by choice like not by like getting traded like by actually deciding that's where I want to end it. It's like, eh, it doesn't seem right. Well, and I think too, like the, the big thing that you, I love the point that you make about, about the legacy. Right. And I think that, you know, not enough people have talked about that, about how, you know, look, yes, Brady and Belichick's legacy are tied together. Right. And so there's always been questions about who's more important, Brady or Belichick and so on and so forth. Well, if Brady goes to LA and they stink, well, and, and Belichick brings in whoever it is, whether it's Teddy Bridgewater, whether he sticks with Stidham and they go 11 and five or 12 and four, and they're back in the AFC championship game, or they're back in the playoffs playing well. Well, now Brady looks terrible because he went somewhere else and the Patriots were more successful than he was. And the same thing with the other side of it, where, you know, if Belichick lets Brady walk, 
Brady goes somewhere else and succeeds, Belichick can't succeed with whoever he brings in to, you know, to play quarterback next year. Now Belichick's legacy takes it. So it's like, so they go back and forth and, and it just doesn't make any sense other than for him to come back here because for everyone's involvement, it just, it's the most beneficial thing. Yeah. Like I don't see like Brady, like I said, the crash and burn potential anywhere else just seems too high. Like you go somewhere, misses the playoffs. Like all of a sudden, you don't hear the end like that follows him the rest of his career. You know, like that follows yeah. the rest of his life. So that, that's just true. To me, I don't know if it'd be worth it to do. Yeah. No, I, I like it. I like it. I like you, Mike. You're talking, you're talking some real good stents here. I like that. Thank you. Yeah. I can go to bed sure. nice and calm now. I can go to bed nice and calm. Thank you. <laughs> so anyways, it's been, it's been fun having you on. Really appreciate it. Before you leave, uh, why don't you just, you know, give yourself a little plug just so people know where to, you know, where to follow you and where to read you. I mean, they obviously probably already know, but, but let's give them, let's give them a little plug anyways. Uh, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at PFF underscore Mike. And then, yeah, the, I have a draft guide out with 250 player profiles. Uh, it's going to get updated with the 300 and a bunch of different other stuff in it that has like PFF grade stats on all the college prospects that, really like doesn't exist you can't find anywhere else like we're the only people that have it for you know any subscription that you buy for pff gets it so you can pay 9.99 and you'll get yourself that draft guy we think it's well worth it nice yeah well it's 9.99 a month and it's like it's 40 bucks a year right did i read that right that it's 40 dollars a year uh i should know that i think it's 30 bucks a year or 9.99 a month so if you can just get the monthly yeah. you would get the draft guide so you don't right, need right. So you yeah. could like literally sign up for like, a yeah. month and then get the draft guide and then be done. Yeah, got it. Not that we're not that we're suggesting people do that. Go out and spend the you know. <laughs> I spend, don't mind. Spend for the hey, whole year, not just the for draft the month. Guide. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, but hey, that's great, man. So, well, thank you so much for coming on. We appreciate it. Um, you know, it's been fun. I know this is a this is a crazy time for you, especially you know around draft time and stuff. And um, and you know we appreciate you making time for us. For sure, fellas. Happy to come on. Thanks for having me.